Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. I'm really excited about this episode. Um, I'm putting together an article. Uh, We are blessed to be joined by Antonio Cromartie, uh, one of of the best corners to play in the league. I I don't think that's unfair. I I would assume you would agree with that statement. I like to think that. Yeah, I mean, you might as well. Uh, I like to think that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, you, you were the Chargers, the Jets. You had, a, you had a, a great career, not only in the secondary, but special teams. Uh, that field goal return for 109 yards. I mean, you've just been you, – you're a celebrated player. Um, so, one, I want to – so, thank you for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Nah, man, no problem, man. I'm playing football. Yeah, it, it's always fun to do. So, one, I wanted to, you know – Check on you and your family. See how you guys are doing. I know coronavirus and COVID nineteen is just nuts. You know, everybody's safe in your family. Everybody's good. You know, that's really important. Man, man, everybody's good, man. Um, we're just enjoying this little time. It's family time. Uh, just been around each other a lot more, and uh, just enjoying it, man. You know, the biggest thing is it's forcing families to spend time together and have dinner time together. So, you know, uh, something that a lot of families don't get to have. So this is like something that's uh, important to us, and uh, hopefully uh, everyone else gets to, gets to see that how important it is for them to be around their kids during this time. Yeah, I, I consider it a, a gift and a curse because you know I, <laughs> I have, Look, I, have I, got, I got I got I got six kids in my house right now, so yeah. I have uh, a, I have a fifteen year old, a ten year old, an eight year old. Uh, I got we have three year old twins and a two year old. Man. So, so yeah. <laughs> well, so, the so you can only imagine how that is. The two-year-old is probably fine with quarantine. The other ones are just dying to get out. Yeah, they ready to go back to school. Even our three-year-old twins, just they get up every morning like, "Are we going to school today?" Like, nah, school is at home. We home school now. Yep, yep. Uh, so, just a quick update. You know, since you retired, what have you been up to? Kind of, what's life for Antonio Cromartie right now? Uh, what, what I'm doing now, right? Honestly, it's, I'm, I'm training high school kids. I got a couple college kids, and I got a couple NFL guys uh, that I'll be training this off season. So um, we just got back into it this week, um, and it's been great, man. It's, been, it's given me something to do because I, I, I really want to get into uh, the coaching part of it and the aspect of it, and not only that, but I can be able to pass the knowledge down of playing a position uh, to those that's trying to play it now. No, that's that's awesome. Is there any thoughts of like broadcasting or anything like that? I mean, you're natural with speaking. You, you know, you have a following, or is it really you just it's coaching? That's your passion, passing it down. That's where you want to go. No, I, no, I man, coaching is my passion. You know, I, I love that. I mean, it's crazy. I've been doing this since I was in high school. Really, you know, making sure guys are doing what they're supposed to do, and you know, what I'm saying we're trying to teach each other and do things like that. So. But broadcasting, man, you just love to do. When you can talk about something that you love, man, it just comes up naturally. And you're able to uh, break down things in a way that the audience can be able to understand exactly what you're talking about. Um, because sometimes they may not know. 
And when you can break it down to that, and break it down to where they can understand everything that's going on in a football game, it makes it a whole lot easier for them, and they can enjoy the game better. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I, the, one of the things that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to venture out into is making this a full-time job because it's something I just – if you could just talk – if I could talk football for the rest of my life and get paid for it, <laughs> it's the most ideal situation. I love this. I love this. My, my point exactly is the ideal situation where you're doing something that you love so it's not a job. Exactly. Exactly. So you did a an, a great piece with my buddy Zach Hicks over at um, uh, on the Colts side of things. Zach is probably one of the more knowledgeable guys in, that's covering the team. People just don't <laughs> realize that he's so good. Um, so I thought we'd talk a little bit about the Texans secondary, um, kind of your thoughts on the players, okay. and just go from there. So uh, I've been extremely high on Bradley Roby. I was super excited that we brought him back this season. Um, what do you know about Bradley Murphy as a corner, and what is it that you like about his game and don't like about his game and, and want, want to see him improve on? Uh, I, like the, I, like, I like Roby. I like, uh, I like them, uh, the spirit. It's, it's the way that he plays the game. Um, you know, I, the biggest thing was, as Houston Texans, they needed something in the secondary. They needed somebody that could come in and contribute uh, as soon as possible, uh, whether it be through trade, whether it be through free agency, whatever it may be. And they got Roby. Um, I felt like he was doing great during that time with him. Um, who, was, who was that? Who was that? Akeem Talib yep. and uh, Chris Harris. You know, when they had that, that, that dynamic uh, uh, trio there, um, I felt like he was he did the things that was asked of him. He did those, and that's the only thing he can't really do. Uh, the things that I don't like is I don't think he plays the ball very well. I think he panics at times when the ball's down down the field on the deep ball. Um, but I felt like at times when he's pressed or he's playing zone, he can actually he knows how to read uh, certain things to make a play on the ball to actually give a chance, give the team a chance to uh, make a play. Yeah. I think one one of my favorite characteristics of Bradley Roby, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is he's always in their back pocket. So I, I think it's an extremely valuable asset to have as a player, specifically in the cornerback position, to be right there and tackle the play, tackle the receiver uh, right at the reception, not giving up any yak yards, being able to bring him down and end the play there. He's extremely good at that. Can you talk about how important that is and what that what impact that makes on the team? Well, there's no yak. That's the biggest thing. You don't want to give up any yak. You want to make. You want to. You want to have a bang bang play. You know. I think that's when you're looking at it. A receiver can be there. Uh, DB can be there. You know, to make a play on the ball or make a tackle uh, without giving up any yards. I mean, you got to think if it's third and seven and they get six, you know, you can get off the field on on third down. Um, you know, he's a sure tackler. That's one of the things I, I like about him. Also, that he, he he's going to come up. He's going to make the tackle. Uh, in the running game and also in the passing game. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, as a defensive back, it ain't about just making tackles. You know, it ain't about just a guy catching the ball in front of you making the tackle. It's about us making plays also. Um, something that that secondary really, really needs um, on the back end. That's why they brought him in and able to – and brought and bring him back this upcoming year. So um, it's, just, it's just the point of being consistent on a week-to-week basis. Um, but being a guy that can be a sure tackler is always a plus, no matter what, no matter where you are. Yeah, okay, good. 
Um, all right, so Gary Conley, uh, drafted by the by the Raiders. Uh, he was a top ten pick coming out of Ohio State. Uh, rookie year, yep. uh, played extremely well. When when in man, uh, John Gruden comes in. They switch the scheme. He plays a lot of zone, plays off a lot. Struggled, uh, struggled in that scheme. Uh, Bill O'Brien trades for Gary Conley last year in Week Seven, right before we play the Raiders. He comes in. We play strictly man. He thrives in the system. And watching his film, and, and I know one of our, my guys is doing an article on him specifically, but once I recapped his season and looked at his what he's able to do, I see a potential cornerback one uh, based on his play style, how he plays, his coverage skills, and he, he just seemed, he thrived last year. Can you talk about Gary and Conley a little bit and what you've liked about him and what you see and how he's going to play this season specifically? Definitely. I, I, when you're looking at when you're like looking at Conley, I think the biggest thing you look at he's a nice size corner, got long arms, uh, can move very well, does can play man to man very well, uh, and that's one of, that was his biggest attributes coming out of college when he's at Ohio State. He plays man very very well, can play the ball, uh, shows the athleticism uh, when the ball is in the air. Um, but you, but at the end of the day, you know, the biggest thing for us as corners, we got to play tone in, man. There's you're not going to play man the whole entire game. If you can't read routes, you can't read route combinations, and you don't know how to bat pedal, it's hard for you. And when you see corners now that's coming into the coming to the NFL, none of them don't know how to bat pedal. Not one corner in the NFL the last three or four years that's came in knows how to bat pedal. Uh, everyone wants to turn their hips and just run with the guy rather than uh, play the team and understand what they're doing. So I think that's the one negative thing I got on Conley is the being able to play zone and read the route combinations. Because um, route combinations are they, they 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 give them to you. Everybody run the same thing. They just run from a different look, from a motion to whatever it may be. Um, so it's just the point of just making sure that for him as his weakness, that's something that he has to work on during this time. You know, it's the most important time now with everything that's going on with COVID, uh, COVID-19. It's the being able to draw your stuff mentally um, to to watch film, to understand rock combination, to understand what offenses are trying to do to you uh, from a standpoint of how they're going to get the ball over your head or how they're going to try to complete passes on you uh, when they put you in that zone. Because, man, that's easy. You just cover the man. You can go up and press and you go do that. But – when you have to sit back on third and 12 and you have to read route combinations because uh, you're playing a zone technique, how is that going how is, how is to benefit you and your team? Yeah. So interesting nugget that you brought up there as far as play, being able to play zone and, and not being a, or just a, a one-man or one type of corner with playing man. It was Since he struggled yeah. in zone in Oakland, um, we we do we mix in coverages, so he's played zone a little bit in our in our scheme and on this team. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between, you know, coaching on one team and coaching on another? I know you know terminology, but it, you see lots of times in the league that a team a player will struggle with a particular team in coaching, and then once they're traded, things start to click a little bit and they start to understand those you know what they were asked of prior. Can you talk about what that looks like and, and what Conley would need to do to be able to better understand zone? Well, I think it's just the way it's taught. Um, man, it's, it's just like teaching. It's just like teaching math uh, half of the time. But you got to break it down uh, to just simple mathematics. You know, understanding what you got to do. Like for me, if I have Conley, uh, the biggest thing I'm gonna tell him: Look, if if I have two 
two receivers to my side. Read number two. If you read number two, number two tells you every single route that you're going to get. If two goes to the flat, you're only going to get a curl or a slant. You know, uh, that's just basics one-on-one. If number two comes up five and breaks out, you're going to dig over top of him. You know what I'm saying? Or, or he sits down at five. You get a jerk route. You know what I'm saying? By number two, uh, you're going to get a, you're going to get a dig over the top. You know, or, or, you know what I'm saying? It's just simple things that he has to understand, like, when I got two receivers to my side, if I'm to the ex receiver and I'm alone to my side, the running back goes away. It's more than likely it's going to be a one-man route to that side with me one-on-one, even though, yeah, we're in zone. But four, if I got four strong and he in the backside receiver is by himself, more than likely they're going to throw backside. It just gives you an illusion of things that's going on. So it's just trying to understand different things and uh, the way he's being taught. And, and, and if he actually sitting down himself and watching film, to see what offense is given to you because everything is the same, uh, even if they motion to it. It's, about, it's not how it starts, it's how it ends. You know, they can line three three by one and go to two by two and still give you slant flat of, uh, or curl flat, you know, just by getting, getting a turn from a motion. And understanding that when the motion comes, the motion is more so the primary receiver or it's the primary side. So now you know that, you can eliminate a lot more routes, and then you can get more comfortable with what the hell is going on uh, from a zone standpoint because you're broken down every single route combination that it could be, uh, whether it was motion to or aligned in. Mm. So one of the things that I really took away from that was, and this is, I think, really interesting, is the fact that a, a lot of it is more on the player than just the teaching and coaching that they're receiving. They, they're they going to have to, if they really want to perfect their game and they really want to get better at it, they can't just rely on the coaching to teach them. They're really going to have to dive in and put in the work ethic to understand what these teams and, and coverages look like for them to thrive. 100%. It, look, we're, it's not college. You don't have school. You don't have tutoring. You don't have none of that. You have nothing but football. That's it. So if you're not using your time wisely to, to watch film maybe an hour and a half, two hours, even though I already just watched film at, 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 at work, you know, at the facilities, I still got to go home and I still got to put myself in a predicament for I can win on every single down. And if you're not taking the time, you're not doing yourself no justice, you're not doing your team no justice if you're not trying to break down film and study the way that you're supposed to. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, so, Lonnie Johnson coming out of Kentucky, 6'2", long arms. Uh, loved what he had in the toolkit. Um, knew he was a raw prospect. Definitely needed to work on his footwork and, and his hips. Um, they were very tight at times. Um, what did you like about Lonnie coming out of Kentucky, and what did you see from him last year that you think he can build on? Man, I thought Lonnie did great. I mean, I know I actually knew the coaching staff that was actually uh, with him over there uh, at Kentucky. So um, being able to actually watch him and be in contact with certain guys over there uh, and hearing about him uh, throughout his college career, that's actually pretty cool. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't think that he really has high hips. I just think when you look at him, he doesn't – he never really had to backpedal and flip his hips. You know, I don't, I don't see him having tight hips. He showed that he can get in and out of his brakes and flip his hips. You know, uh, I don't really think he has slow feet. It's just a point of understanding your technique. You know, I think it's you, you have to be technique sound in this game. And some people may say, "Oh, your feet, your feet are too slow." Well, his feet are slow. You should have moved him to safety. 
Don't put him at a corner. Um, his footwork, is, to me, was fine. I just thought that he got himself in trouble at times because us being 6'2", we want to stand up on everything. We're not, we're not playing low enough. So he gets himself in trouble by when he pops up and has to sink back down when he should already been low. So that's the thing that more so gets him in trouble than his footwork and his tips. It's just him trying to adjust the plan at a lower level and being able to stay at that level even when I'm coming in and out my breaks. You know, so, I mean, I just, I mean, I saw some flashes um, last year, and I'm, I'm hoping it's still a little more from him. Um, just for, you know, just for him being, having the extra year in his belt and actually being able to understand the system a lot more. Yeah. He's put in a lot of work in the offseason with uh, Rashad, the footwork team, uh, working on the foot technique and uh, opening up the tips. Um, and obviously, from year one to year two, it's completely different. You're looking to build off of what you did and add to your development and work on the areas you know you need to work on. Can you talk a little bit about what working like that in the offseason looks like and how it can translate to, you know, year two? Um, I mean, for me, uh, man, I'm, I'm, this is just being me. I ain't working with somebody that's never played my position. That's just me. Um, every guy that I've worked with, either worked in the NFL um, as a strength and conditioning so they understood everything, uh, they either work with the DBs and that's all they've worked with. Uh, but I'm not working with somebody that's not, that, that's never put the, the blood, sweat, and tears in this position. They can't teach me and mold me into anything that I need to be better at. You know what I'm saying? That's just me. Um, and that's a, I don't care who, who dislikes it, whoever trainer, footwork, uh, Rose Simon, whoever it may be, I really don't care. Um, guys may look at me differently, but like at the end of the day, uh, I know the game. I understand the game. I can teach the game and understand what what we're supposed to do uh, from route combinations to getting in and out of breaks. Understanding what we're supposed to do from a technology, from a technique and a mental standpoint. Can't teach somebody the game if you if you ain't never played it or you never studied it. Because um, there's coaches that that's never played the game, but they understand the game from an X's and O's uh, standpoint. And the biggest thing about offseason is working on your weaknesses. It's working on getting in and out your breaks, understanding what I, what I can do. And going through cone drills ain't going to help that. You have to go through live demo action where you're getting one-on-one reps. Uh, you're putting yourself in – you're putting yourself in worse predicaments now – than you would do uh, during the season. You know what I'm saying? So it's putting myself where I know where I might be in a panic mode and understand that, oh, I got to hurry up and flip my hips and get my eyes to the receiver hands so I can make the play on his hands because I'm in a bad position already. Or I may take a bad step. The receiver's already got me by two yards, so I got to close to the upfield, upfield shoulder uh, to try to make a play on the ball if he runs his dig or he runs his comeback or wherever it may be. So it's little things like that um, that you want to put yourself in. Like I'm, I'm always preaching, put yourself in a worse predicament now, so it makes it easier when it comes to game time. You're not thinking about it because you're already reacting to it. Um, football is about reaction drills. It's all about reaction. You react off somebody else. So if I'm, if I'm lining, if I have a problem with some people say his hips, 
If I'm six two, guess what I'm doing? Dropping my hips on everything that I do. Um, and it's just getting, it's just getting in and out of breaks. You know, that's the biggest thing. That's what we have to understand. That's what we have to do. Okay. No, that's uh, that's great insight. Um, it, it's un, it's 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 interesting because when you look at working out uh, with a trainer and then not working out, you know, not taking actual reps against another receiver, uh, I've always wondered how that translates because if you're just if you're doing those things, like how can you how can you know when to break? How can you know you know if you're not actually in the in the situation? How are you going to be able to read that? How are you going to be able to react? Right. I can't react to cones. Right. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't react to stationary movement. If somebody just standing there and then they just point me to where I need to go, I need actual movement. I need people to move me around. I need people to make sure I'm dropping my hips, making sure my eyes are in the right place. Um, and, and, and teaching me eye discipline, teaching me hand techniques, teaching me footworks and different techniques to get myself in and out of trouble. Um, helping me keep my hips square and not flipping my hips because it's not about me flipping my hips. It's about me trying to stay as square as possible and playing basketball in front of a guy and cutting them off. Um, you know, it's just so many different things that some people, uh, these so-called um, expert trainers and everyone else claim that they know that they don't know. Um, and when you're teaching guys at a level, is it are you teaching them or are you just doing it for namesake and basically taking money? Um, and it's about, all season is about teaching you, learning from your mistakes, breaking down the film, and being able to correct it correct your mistakes that you made during the season for you so when you go back during the camp you're not making those same mistakes so they can see a growth in you from year one to year two that's what it's about i want i want to i want a big jump from year one to year two because my mental my mental aspect of the game is a lot sharper um and i'm able to react more so now than to uh just go out there and just go play football okay yeah Wow, that's uh, that's good stuff. Okay, uh, all right. So Vernon Hargraves, he was cut by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. We brought him in midseason. Um, you know, a lot of a lot was made. You know, first round pick. Uh, really, his first year or two was 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 fine, and then VA came in. Looks like you know things happened that you know maybe were out of his control, maybe not. Um, uh, that's up. That's that's between Vernon and VA, but. He came in midseason. He, he definitely struggled with us in the slot last year. Um, he, he wasn't very good in the slot, but, you know, he did come in midseason, so maybe that plays a part getting adjusted. I know you're, we're going to talk about that more in depth in, yeah. in a little bit, but they cut him and brought him back because they declined his fifth-year option. He's still young. Can, can he, yeah. can he a- adjust and adapt and evolve as a player to become that star corner that we need, or – you know, what does it look like for Vernon to be able to take those next steps? Man, I like Vernon, man, even though he went to UL. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Florida State kid. I like him, man. Um, I thought that um, he showed flashes of what he's able to do. I think it's the more so the consistency consistency part of it when you're looking at him. Uh, he has to be more consistent. Yeah, he came into um, halfway in through the season – uh, which sometimes as a nickel back is hard because you have so many jobs as a nickel back. 
you know, from your blitzing to playing linebacker to now you got to cover. Now there's the possibility that you could be playing safety. Um, now there's the possibility if your guy motion outside, now you have to sit here and go out to uh, go outside and play corner. So there's so many jobs and so many things that he has to try to think about that maybe like during that time his play wasn't as great because he was playing he wasn't playing mentally fast because it wasn't there yet. Um, man, the kid showed flashes even when he was in Tampa that he's he's a guy that can play at a high level in a nickel position. And I just think once he's get comfortable, once he gets into the groove of what he has to do, I think you will see, you know, that first, second year guy uh, that played a hell of a year when he was at Tampa his first first two years. Yeah, it's funny. I I, uh, I had a, I interviewed David Johnson last week, and I talked to him about uh, I talked to him about the feeling of being wanted as a player and how that can impact a person. Um, you know, if you feel you're not wanted, it's really hard to be motivated. That's something that you internally you have to figure out to be able to go out on the field and still play at a high level. Um, and, and in Tampa, you can tell that he wasn't wanted. Um, so I guess now with him... But, he, but, as, as, but yeah, we got to think about this. It's a business. No matter whether we feel... Uh, and your job only. You know, that's all they're asking you to do, whether they want you or not. You know, it, it doesn't it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter if they want you. Hey, you're getting paid for it, so go out and go do what you're supposed to do. You're going to have coaches that don't like you, that, you know what I'm saying, that feels like they may know more than you, and sometimes they don't. Um, but you have to let that go and let that go by how it is because at the end of it, it's a business. No matter if somebody likes you, no matter if dislikes you, you're not going to like your boss and whoever you work for. So you're still going to go and go perform the way you're supposed to do uh, at any any other job. So why why do it? Why, why not do it? Because somebody don't want to at this level. Well, so that's, that's, so that's great. So I guess what my thought is, based, and specifically with the Texans, um, you can – you've seen in times where if Bill O'Brien uh, – all right, so I think we were, we were left off with, uh, like, wanted and things of that. And I was going to go to – yeah, I was going to talk about, like, there's certain coaches in this league, though, that seem, and maybe even specifically in Houston, that emotionally, and we've seen it time over time with Bill O'Brien, no matter how you perform, no matter what you do, no matter how you practice, you're not able to get out. You're in that doghouse. And, you know, I wonder, you know – one, have you ever experienced that? And then two, I don't think you have, but maybe. Uh, maybe you know guys that have. But uh, And then two, what can you do at that point? Um, one, I've never – I don't feel like I've ever been in that predicament. Um, honestly, I don't know if I know too many guys that have been in that predicament. Um, dealing with coaches, because a lot of their coaches have just been, you know, straight up honest at, at straight up honest with us or just, they, just, they just didn't shoot the shit. You know, they just told you how it was. Um, honestly, the only thing I would tell anybody to do is just to, be, just to do you at the end of the day. Like, that's all you can do. The only thing, only thing I can do is be me no matter how somebody else wants me to be. All the thing I can do is be me. I can't be somebody else. I, I don't want to be a robot. I don't want to be um, somebody that's fake. You have to be you no matter what. But 
like the whole thing with DeAndre Hopkins, I think he look, he just continued to be himself. He wasn't going to change who he was or try to fit to the form of somebody of what somebody else was wanting him to be because what 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 was him was what got him there in the first place. You know what I'm saying? And that their system is, and that's not true. And like you say, no matter what you do, how great you may play, what you do in practice, whatever it may do, they're still not going to like you. They're still going to feel like you're not fit for the scene, even though you're the top three receivers in the NFL. And it just happens, man. And I'm honestly, you know, when you look at the whole entire thing and how it played out, you know, it could be a better situation for for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I mean, when you look at the whole entire thing, man, you're, you're talking about you got rid of a guy without getting a first-round draft pick. Matter of fact, you got rid of two guys and never got a first-round draft pick. You know, um, that's from DeAndre Hopkins, and that was from, uh, I forgot the kid's name, that's in, that was in Seattle, uh, outside linebacker, uh, Diego Clowning. So, you know, when you look at those situations, you had guys that were still playing, that was that's young, playing at the top of their level, top of their uh, top of the skill set, and you got rid of them in, um, because they didn't fit. They didn't fit the mold of what you what you was looking for. And that happens, man. But you can't do nothing about it. They're gonna dislike you. They don't like. They don't. They're not gonna like the way you talk. They're not gonna like way whatever it may be. But it's a business. I'm gonna take care of myself, and I'm gonna keep you pushing, no matter what's going on. Okay, so there's there's a ton to unpack, and I honestly didn't expect to go down the DeAndre Hopkins uh, path, but. I think I think with DeAndre, I think there's a lot of moving pieces that people are talking about and aren't. I think, one, I do think he wanted more money, and I don't blame him because he had no more guaranteed money on, a, on three years left on his deal. He signed his deal five, you know, three years ago. He's, I think it's like $13 million a year. He's nowhere near paid the top of what a wide receiver should be paid. No. Can you fault him for it? Hell no. No. You can't. Hell no. You can't. You can't play that contract. Right. You, you can't. play it. You can't. And and for the people that say, well, you shouldn't have signed the contract. Well, okay, but if you're getting if you're getting guaranteed money, please tell me why you wouldn't sign the contract. So those people are exactly. So that's that's them. So let the idiots talk and let 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 undisputed and do all that. They they can do all that. Uh, but then when you look at how Hopkins played last year, and I don't, I'm not saying he's on a downturn. I don't think that. I think it's how they utilize him. He played, I think it was 57% in the slot. So he wasn't going to thrive because he's not a slot wide receiver. He's the guy that gets open in space and is able to, you just put the ball in his area, he's coming down with it. So we weren't using his set. Um, and he probably didn't like that. I think Bill O'Brien also wanted to get faster on offense, and I think that's why DeAndre Hopkins is not a speed guy. Um, so I think it, the vision of the offense, I think it's an accumulation of all those things. I don't think Bill O'Brien hated DeAndre Hopkins. I think he appreciated DeAndre Hopkins. I just think that it didn't fit. And if it doesn't fit, you have to find a way. Now, the return, that's another well, conversation. Well, it's awful. Well, I can't say that it, it doesn't fit. Because okay. it, how would it not fit when it's been fitting for the last two years? Well, let me ask three years. So with um, the- I think when you, when you when you look at when you look at it, 
he's the primary guy, right? You say you want to get faster, but all your fast guys are always hurt. <laughs> That's not DeAndre Hopkins' fault. So you, you, we can't sit here and say that something didn't fit when it was actually working pretty well when your quarterback and your receiver are on the exact same page every single time. You know, so was it really them not it's not clicking or was it just really something else that could be hidden we don't know about? You know what I'm saying? Because we we've not we're not in the office. We're not there every day. We're not in those meetings and doing certain things and being around that stuff. So we don't really know. Only thing we do is assume that something was going on. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's why I say, you know, no matter what it is, he may we don't know. He may have just like DeAndre him had had a, had, a, had it out. They could have been whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm not getting rid of my top three receiver, even if he does ask for more money. Okay, well let's see, let's let's work on something during the season when the season starts up this upcoming year. Let's see how the first half of the season goes. You're the GM and you're the head coach. You could have easily said that. Yeah. You know, and as a player, you got to respect that because he, if he says he's going to come back, well, we'll see if he comes back. If he's not, look, just trade me. You know, trade me at the deadline or something like that. But we can't just sit here and say his numbers were bad because they used him in a slot because he was used in a slot a lot the year before, too. And so, it's not the only year that he was uh, used in a slot. So to clarify, when I say didn't fit, I don't mean I don't believe that he fit the offense. I think that Bill O'Brien felt he didn't fit maybe where he wanted to take the offense. I agree with you 100%. I, I agree with you 100%. Yes. You can have all the speed receivers, but if they don't play, it really doesn't matter. So then what? So let's say, let's say Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller goes down. Well, now you have Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb. Good luck. Like, not that Kenny is bad, because I actually think Kenny is underappreciated in the league. That's just me, though. Um, but, yeah, so I, when I say he didn't fit, I, I – he was, I think he's the best wide receiver in the league. I, think, I, I believe that also, too. And I think he's showed, he showed me the last. It, it's him and Julio. I, I'm just, you know, that, that's what it, that's what it's shown. But it's just there's more to it that we don't know. That's why I can't really speak on much on it. I can just talk about what I've seen through the processes of dealing with coaches, um, like Bill O'Brien to North Turner to – uh, Ron Rivera to different kind of coaches that sometimes you don't fit that mold of what they're looking for uh, and how they want you to interact. It doesn't fit them. You can be one of the greatest players on earth, and if you don't, if it doesn't fit them, their mold, they're going to get rid of you no matter how great you are. That's, yeah, no, I agree. So, all right, enough with the DeAndre Hopkins. What are your thoughts on Deshaun Watson? Before we before we get back into the cornerback position, uh, I'm I I love. I think Deshaun Watson is. I think because of Pat Mahomes and what he did last year, I think everything is being overshadowed, uh, and what Deshaun is actually capable of being in this league. I don't think people realize how good Deshaun Watson actually is. What are your thoughts on Deshaun? I love him, man. I, I hate him when he beat my Florida State Seminoles, but uh, I, I, I like the kid, man. I think the kid has everything that you look for. He just has that winning attitude, man, that, that go-getting attitude. And that there speaks for itself. Um, but a guy, the only thing he wants to do is go out and go in the game. He's going to sacrifice his body 
She's going to throw herself around to, to get where it needs to be. Um, it just shows you the tenacity and the, and the understanding of what it means to win. I mean, you got to think, man, the kid's been winning, man, since college. You know, since, you know, he's never really had this kind of stuff that was going on where he's losing this or losing that. Uh, the kid just went out and won. And, I mean, he has the mentality. It reminds me of, uh, of, of old Steve Young. Mm. Of the younger Steve Young, you know, going out on the football field and doing what he's supposed to do and sacrificing his body uh, for the for, for the betterment of the team. Um, you don't want your quarterback to do that. It's your franchise quarterback, but the kid just wants to win. Um, and he just wants to get – he wants to show uh, his teammates that he's willing to do anything and everything to make sure that they do win. Yeah. No, I uh... – I don't think Texans fans would like so like the the hope of the Texans, in my opinion, because Deshaun Watson is here. I feel like everybody feel at the end of the day with him staying on the team and him, you know, being here for the next ten years. There's always a chance that we're going to win. One hundred percent. but we got to protect them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, they did a good job. No, no, I mean, they're doing, they're doing a lot better. But you got to protect them. You got to get the right guys around and protect them. And he has to get rid of the ball just a little bit quicker. I agree. Which is I great. To, I, I, I mean, even though he, I know he wants to extend the plays and make sure he can get the plays down the field, but he has to get rid of the ball quicker um, and, and make his decisions a lot more quicker. And I will take. I mean, I'm going to take this kid anyway just because of his upside uh, and what he can do. Yeah, no, I think, like, coming out of college, his release was the quickest out of all the quarterbacks in the draft that year. Um, I think Bill O'Brien needs to do a better job scheming and showing that, you know, making it easier for him to go through his reads and things of that nature. It's going to be interesting to watch without DeAndre Hopkins because that was his go-to. So he's either going to take the next step, which I'm expecting, or we might find ourselves in a different position as as a team. But uh, All right. Last corner corner back position question before we let you go because I know you're busy today. Um, so last year the Texans secondary I thought played really well. Um, I thought that they, given the circumstances, I thought they played well. But the lack of a pass rush was tr- was evident throughout the entire season. Can you talk about why that is so important for the cornerback position? Because I don't think people really understand why those two go hand in hand. Um, but I think people need to understand how much. Uh, pass rush and, and, and coverage go hand-in-hand. Like I always say, the year that I had 10 interceptions, I would have never did what I have in Sean Merriman, Sean Phillips, Jamal Williams, Luis Castillo, Joxie's there, um, uh, uh, Stephen Cooper, um, you know, having those guys, Tim Dobbins and all those guys on my front seven. I would have never had that if we didn't have pass, the pass rush we did. I say that all the time. I do – I didn't do nothing. The only thing I did was catch the ball. I, that's all I had to do. And I always had a time clock on my head because I knew either lights or SP was going to get back there within a two-and-a-half-second time clock. So, for me, it was just, okay, I had a time clock. I can get off. I can get my pedal 1,001, 1,002. I'm breaking on the ball. You know, so the ball was coming out so quick that sometimes the receiver wasn't even – the receiver wasn't even prepared for the ball. Um, because we was getting back there so quickly. It's just the point of just like, man, it's it's like, it's like what's what's uh what's the, what's the swimming call? 
Everyone's in sync or whatever it's called, synchronized swimming. Synchronized swimming, yeah. Pass rush, pass rush, yeah. Pass rush and, and, and coverage goes just like that. It's hand in hand. It's like if it's like if we don't have a great pass rush, but we cover every single route. Now we're able to get to the quarterback. That's a coverage step. You know, so it goes hand in hand. Everything has to work in one accord. Everything does. Awesome. Yep, I, I've been I've been preaching that for the last three years, and people just don't seem to understand that. The, like those two have to they, go, they have they, to work. They would they have to coexist together. It's all it's all scheme that way. The front seven and the back end all have to work together because everybody have their job and their job to do. If we can get to the pass rush and create uh, tips and over throws uh, and all that stuff, that helps us out. That helps on the back end because not every overthrown ball. The safety's there to go pick it off. Or the corner's there to go get it because he's over the top of the route. Or every tip ball, linebacker may get a tip ball, a, a tip interception. To um, DBs getting tips on slants because the ball got tipped at the front of the line by the defense alignment. Um, it's just so much stuff that goes into it, man. It's just like everything has to be in sync. Everything has to be one accord on that defense side of the ball for things to go right. Yep. No, I, I agree 100. percent Something I've been telling people for a long time, and I, I, they just don't seem to get it. They think that even if you had five Daryl Revises, that uh, they would. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not how it works. It, it won't happen. It won't happen. Trust me. As the as Revis knows about not having a pass rush, and we've still got balls caught on over us. So. It's not. It's not point of uh, just saying you can have a direct remix out there. Uh, you you have to work, and everything has to be in one accord where we get that pressure, we get that pressure on the quarterback to make him make elevated throws or get off get off his uh, get off his you know off his step where to the point of he can't step into his throws. He's throwing off the back foot. Now we creating turnovers. Yep. All right. Last question because I, I don't want I don't want to do film go over film with you while you're driving. Um, <laughs> You uh, so you talk to a lot of players in the league still. You have friends all around. Um, what do the players say about the Texans organization, and what 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 do they say about Bill O'Brien specifically? Um, most most stuff I get is you know what the hell he's doing um, as a GM. Um, you know, I, I get that a lot. You know, just talking to certain guys. Uh, he really doesn't know what he's doing as a GM because when you look at it, how do how do you not get uh, two first round draft picks for the guys that you just let go? Uh, how don't you get what they're worth um, from that standpoint? Or uh, even you say, hey, why, why? You know, from a standpoint, getting future draft picks, uh, big time draft picks in, in, in the next year's draft or whatever it may be for these guys. Why that has to happen? And um, that's why I say it's, it's all. About the mold. When a guy doesn't fit a mold, you'll get rid of the guy. But other than that, man, I feel like you know some guys say you know, he's 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 cool, he's good, um, he understands what he wants to do offensively. Just he just got to pull the trigger sometimes. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but as a G, as a GM, I don't think too many guys like him as a GM. But you think? Do you think the players respect him as a coach? I think you got some guys that respect him as a coach, but I think too many guys uh, think that he's trying to make um, 
he's trying to make new. He's trying to make what's name into New England, and that's not. That's not it. <laughs> uh, he's trying to turn Houston into New England, and that's not what. That's what. That is not what the Texans are all about. So, uh, I get that a lot. Um, you know, it's a different. It's a different era from that New England era to. Uh, what 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 he had in New England during that time? Yeah, awesome. All right, and so, so I'm gonna let you get back to your day. Uh, I I, it, I can't I can't thank you enough, bro. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate your insight. This was a, a very enlightening for me, learning the position a little bit better. It's one of my favorite positions to cover and break down. So hearing it from, from oh man, appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate that, and we'll definitely be in touch again. I'll reach out, and um, again, thank you. All right, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it for having me on. It was fun. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.